Hello and welcome to the second episode of Red Talks Latin America. My name is Maria Fernanda Blaser and I am the managing editor for Latin America. With me today is Sochi Herrera, the head of our Mexican coverage, and we are going to talk about the rise and fall of the Mexican non-bank lenders. In Mexico, the non-bank lenders are divided between Sofomis and Sofipos, with the latter taking deposits, but not the former. The crisis we are seeing now is hitting the Sofomis, but they were once the darlings of the market. Soch, why were these companies tapping the international debt markets? Hi, Fer. The Sofomis started issuing in 2010, looking for funding. Mexicans are largely underbanked, and the non-bank lenders were providing loans to a population that didn't have access to banks. Some of them started to focus on the small and medium enterprise segment, which is also largely underserved by the banks. And that was the case for Unifin, Mexarrend, and Mega. Other Sofomas decided to have a relationship with the government and unions, and they invested in payroll loans. And these are Credito Real and Alfa Credit, for example. Before the pandemic, there weren't really any questions about the performance or possible accounting issues of these companies, but everything changed after the pandemic. What was that the central bank did that directly affected them? So when the pandemic hit in early 2020, Banxico, the Mexican central bank, asked the banks to allow customers to defer their payment on their credit cards, mortgage, all sorts of credit, for four months. And it allowed the banks to not include the deferrals as non-performing loans, so they wouldn't have to increase their loan loss reserves. The non-bank lenders did the same, even though they weren't obligated to. When this happened, investors started looking at the numbers more closely and asking questions, and they saw that things weren't right. The issues had been there before, it's just that the pandemic made them more visible. Lockdowns and emergency measures taken in Mexico meant that the companies weren't originating new loans and they weren't receiving payments from some customers for a few months that year. But the drop in profitability for some lenders seemed to go beyond that. At the time, the companies managed to calm investor fears and bond prices kept steady. And also bear in mind that the whole world was going through the pandemic, not just Mexico. So some lenders' financials weren't making a lot of sense, but investors chose to wait. What were the rumors about the accounting issues of the non-bank lenders? Basically, the accounting didn't add up, and that was particularly the case for Alfa Credit and Credito Real. When Alfa Credit announced in April 2021 that it had discovered accounting errors that went back as far as 2018 and it would need to restate financials for 2018, 2019, and the first nine months of 2020, and write down at least $200 million, the warning bell started to go off. There had been rumors about the company's liquidity situation since 2020, and it had already written down around $60 million of its portfolio in the second quarter of 2020, but many investors had chosen to wait it out and hope the company came through. Alpha had two bonds for $300 million and $400 million, and an additional $300 million in bank debt, and the bonds immediately started tanking on the secondary market when Alpha made the announcement in late April. Alpha's parent company eventually went on to file for Chapter 11 in the US, but it only filed the Colombian subsidiaries and it left out the Mexican subsidiaries, including their loan book. The Mexico business filed for in-court restructuring in Mexico some months later, but we haven't seen any recovery from that process or from the Chapter 11, at least not a meaningful recovery. By then, investors were already wary of Credito Real. What was the issue with the company? 
So shortly after Alpha announced that it would have to restructure and write down in April of 2021, rival Credito Real restated its non-performing loans on the audited 2020 results. And it was around the same time, the same week, because the deadline for companies to file audited annual results is April 30th. So Credito Real's audited results also included a breakdown of the loan portfolio, something they'd never disclosed before. And an analyst pointed out that 47% of the company's loan book was accrued interest. At the time, it wasn't clear if that was past due accrued interest or not. Creal never explained the breakdown in a believable way, and the few explanations that they did weren't official. They were merely mentioned in calls that were open to only select analysts. But the company also had a lot of short-term debt to refinance. Yes, Credito Real Management said in early 2021 that it was rolling over the bank debt as it matured, but then in the middle of the second quarter, executives stopped announcing the loan renewals. And when the third quarter results came out, they evidently had paid off a lot of debt that quarter. Credito Real had a 170 million Swiss franc bond, which was due February 2022, and it was trying to refinance it. And at first, it tried to refinance it in the Swiss market, but it was close to them. Then it tried bank loans and securitizations, but that didn't work either. Meanwhile, their third quarter results showed an improvement. And in the earnings call for that quarter, management claimed it was not due to any extraordinary gain. But they held another call later on, and they admitted it was due to an FX gain. And then they backtracked on that and claimed that the analysts that reported on that call had misheard or misunderstood. And after that call, after the earnings call, after the analyst call, the bonds started going down and then they never recovered. Credito Real had hired Goldman Sachs to find financing for the Swiss bond at the end of 2021, but they were simply unable to line it up and they defaulted on February 9th. There had been a lot of pressures and questions from investors as to whether they would pay, and I was sure, and I told you, that they would default. Why were these investors so slow on the uptake? Well, maybe because it was just such a huge amount of debt outstanding, and they couldn't believe that Credito Real would default on all of it because it was unable to pay the maturity on the smallest bond. And the company had $2.1 billion in bonds and $700 million in bank debt then this was aside from the Swiss bond. When they defaulted, did investors expect it to turn out the way it did? I don't think so. Not at first. When they announced the restructuring in February, they said they were working with DLA Piper, with FDA Consulting and Jefferies. And they had weekly meetings with the bank creditors, with the local creditors. And the banks themselves met twice or even three times a week without the company. Progress was slow, but advisors gained access to financials. And then after that happened, they saw that the loan book was really much smaller than the company had said. And that was because of the 47% of interest, which turned out to be an accrued interest. And aside from that, the non-performing loans were higher than they thought. But this happened a few months after the restructuring announcement. But then what happened to the Chapter 11 plans? Now, this is where things start to get a bit blurry. The company was planning to file for Chapter 11, but it seems that several local banks were pressuring to get paid and threatening to sue for investor fraud if they didn't. So in May, 
the company suddenly fired its advisors, dropped the plans to file for a Chapter 11, and pretty much stopped talking to the bondholders. And the bondholders, they waited a little bit, they tried to negotiate, and then they realized that the company was transferring assets in Mexico. So they filed an involuntary Chapter 11 petition in New York Bankruptcy Court in late June. And then the deadline for Credit Oral to answer that was mid-July. On the final day, when the company answered, it announced it had filed for liquidation in Mexico under corporate law, and it would seek a recognition of that in a Chapter 11 in Delaware Bankruptcy Court. But then what is the problem of filing for liquidation instead of concurso mercantil? So concurso mercantil law allows you to file for liquidation or for a restructuring, and that's the insolvency law, and that is recognized under Chapter 15 in the U.S. But liquidation under corporate law is something that is very rarely seen, and it hasn't been seen when a company has cross-border debt. And even worse, a company that admitted to deficient accounting practices, which is accounting fraud. Aside from that, the corporate law, which in Spanish is called Ley General de Sociedades Mercantiles, does not have a look-back period. And the insolvency or bankruptcy law has a very extensive look-back period, the same as a U.S. Chapter 11. Do you think that after that, things got worse for all the non-bank lenders? Oh, yes. The international markets had been closed since Alpha filed for restructuring, but then Credito Real's default and accounting fraud made it even more difficult to get any kind of financing. And Unifin, a non-bank lender that offers leases and working capital loans to small and medium companies, said that banks stopped renewing its revolving credit lines because of the situation in the sector. In early August of this year, Unifin announced it would restructure $3.9 billion in debt. And this was barely two weeks after the CEO, Sergio Camacho, was very insistent that the company would pick up originations and grow the portfolio in the second half of the year. And he said that in an earnings call. And what has happened to the rest of the non-bank lenders? So we still have Operadora de Servicios Mega, known as Mega, simply, Mexarrend, which will soon be known as Tangelo, and Financiera Independencia. Independencia is doing okay because they had to clean up their balance sheet before the Alpha situation came along and before Credito Real's default. So they were able to do that without negative market sentiment. And they were very proactive about selling their Brazil business and their payroll business in Mexico and expanding into the U.S. Now, Mega is not very profitable, but they're very well covered in their maturities versus asset ratio. And they've managed to line up financing for now. It's not large, but the company isn't very large, as large as Credito Real or Unifin. Mexarrend in October paid off a $30 million bond that they had outstanding, and finding the funding was difficult. And there was a moment where the bond was almost due and the loan that they had obtained wasn't finalized, but they managed to make the payment. What are the prospects for the sector? Well, some of the non-bank lenders think that the market will recover, but other people in the market think that's not going to happen. There's still $900 million outstanding in bonds and loans from these large lenders. And Credito Real is paying off the banks, even though a court in Mexico suspended the liquidation. And the Chapter 11 and the Chapter 15 are still pending. There's going to be a hearing in January to define that. And the outcome of that is going to be very important in terms of reassuring the market that their investments are safe or not. All of this debt was issued while the rates were low. And now that the benchmark rates are higher, some of the lenders may be unable to turn a profit. 
So this adds to the distress that the investors have in the sector, and now the lenders have to deal with more expensive funding if there is any to be found. Do you think that the regulators will take action or this is something that will fade away? I don't have high hopes for them taking action, at least not in this administration. In 2006, when the federal government decided to sunset Sofoles, which was another type of non-bank lender that mainly granted mortgages, the expiration date was set to 2013. And the Sofoles disappeared and they took down the housing sector with them. And some of them became Sofomes. So it took years and there wasn't a lot of action to help the mortgage lenders that disappeared. In this administration, the Securities and Banking Commission has done very little so far regarding Alfa and Credito Real. And that's even though Credito Real is or was listed on the Mexican Stock Exchange. And Unifin is too. So if the regulator wanted to do something, there's plenty of room in terms of tightening auditing and reporting requirements or going through the Mexican Stock Exchange. And that they can do that for both Sofomes and Sofipos, which is another part of the non-bank lenders that has had some trouble recently. This concludes our podcast on the Mexican non-bank lenders. Thank you so much again for joining me in this very lively discussion. And thank you, the audience. Thank you, Fer. Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm.